We plant corn in Iowa, spray soybeans in Illinois. We pull calves in Kansas, farrow hogs in Minnesota. We raise rice in Arkansas, rye in Canada, and wheat everywhere in between. We farm millions of acres across North America and build every piece of Case IH equipment. Built by farmers, for farmers. Case IH, rethink productivity. and marketing partner of choice for the evolving agricultural community. Now, here's your host, Brent Adams. Welcome to Fast Line Fast Track, presented by Case IH. This week, we talk with our friends at Case IH about their certified pre-owned offerings, as well as their new high-horsepower tractors. And on this Memorial Day weekend, we remember those who sacrificed their lives in service to our country. We'll talk with Nashville singer-songwriter J.T. Cooper, who was a part of the 10th Mountain Division in Mogadishu, Somalia in 1993. He was one of the first to respond when helicopter pilots were down in the harrowing scene, later chronicled in the movie Black Hawk Down. So please join us for this episode of Fast Line Fast Track, presented by Case IH. First up this week on Fast Line Fast Track, as we get into the thick of planting season, we sit down with our friends from Case IH. And we've got with us today Tracy Sagan, the Case IH Used Equipment Marketing Manager, and Bill Weber, the Case IH High Horsepower Tractor Marketing Manager. And guys, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Fast Line Fast Track. Thanks for having us, Brent. Yeah, it's our pleasure. We're happy to be here. Planting is finally beginning here. Uh, What are you seeing in the market right now, Tracy? Um, Well, Brent, at Case IH, we're seeing um, the used equipment market is starting to stabilize, and there are a lot of producers out there that are getting ready to buy and refresh their fleets, and now is a great time to do that, um, to upgrade and uh, to new technology and increase their productivity. And as producers are getting into the field, uh, as you said, you know, planting is beginning. We've got a really short window with the weather conditions this year. So um, that means that equipment uptime is going to be one of their biggest concerns, and they need to make sure that they have reliable machinery out there. Mm-hmm. And when producers are selecting used equipment, what, what are some of the first considerations that they should make? Um, some of the important considerations would be that uptime and reliability. So they should look for late model equipment that's certified and comes with an extended protection plan. Case IH, we offer a certified pre-owned program that's a good option to provide them peace of mind when they're purchasing uh, pre-owned equipment. All of our certified pre-owned equipment undergoes a fluid analysis by a factory trained certified dealer technician, as well as a 200 plus point inspection for combines and sprayers and a more than 100 point inspection on our tractors. So. When the equipment goes through that, any part that doesn't meet our K-Site standards is replaced with a genuine factory authorized part. And every K-Site certified pre-owned piece comes with a zero deductible K-Site production plan with extended powertrain coverage to really give that producer the peace of mind that they're making a good uh, buying decision. So what tips do you have for buying the right piece of used equipment? 
KSI dealers are the best places to go for buying used equipment. They really understand the local soil conditions in the area as well as weather and can help producers select the right machine for their operation. Plus, they have the factory trained technicians and field service professionals that are available with all the latest diagnostic equipment, specialized tools, and genuine parts to help keep producers up and running. And Bill, with these short planting windows that we're seeing here this spring, if someone's in the market for a high horsepower tractor right now, what should they be looking at? They should be looking for productivity. Um, the window is always short as far as planting is concerned, and with the wet conditions that we've had this spring, it's really delayed things off quite uh, quite long. As Tracy had said, you know, having a certified pre-owned tractor gives you that uptime and that peace of mind to be in the field and be able to run 24 hours a day once the uh, soil conditions change and we heat up and dry out. So the productivity is that bottom line if they're looking to uh, drive a new purchase or purchase of a used piece of equipment. Um, that productivity can come from a couple of different ways. Uh, first of all, you can increase horsepower and pull the unit faster through the field, increasing your productivity exponentially with each mile an hour that you pick up going through the field. Uh, also, you can also look at adding tracks to your operation, which would get you into the field earlier as opposed to having to wait for it to dry out with uh, wheeled options that are out there. You know, we currently have some tractors on the new side of the business that our model year 19s come with a three-year warranty, and uh, they're going to become very excellent certified pre-owned tractors here in the not-too-distant future. So if you're not looking for that purchase today, it may be something you can look at in the future. Um, again, on that track technology, it's important to get that right balance in our road track tractors and our quads do an excellent job of having less compaction, being able to go across those soft and wet spots, and uh, increasing that productivity from that perspective. Uh, we also have got some additional technology that's, uh, that we increased this last spring, or this spring, and that is our AFS Connect technology. On the Model Year 19 tractors, it comes standard with those tractors. If you look at our Model Year 17 and 18 Steiger tractors, they have the modem already in it. You're able to actually put a modem in the Magnums and the Steiger tractors at any time in order to get that connectivity as far as being able to do file transfer, data transfer, and being able to monitor that tractor as it runs through the day in order so that you can identify any issues that may be going on with the operation and optimize your time. And it's all about optimizing time and speed, and more and more producers are looking for the ability to operate accurately at high speeds. Bill, can you talk more about how Case IH high-horsepower tractors address this demand? Yes, most definitely. We know our operators want to cover a lot of acres in a short period of time, and it's important that they can be comfortable when they do that. So if you look at our Stagger four-wheel drive tractors, they come with a standard suspended cap. That suspended cab gives that operator the ability to run long hours and still feel comfortable in the cab running at higher speeds. The faster you go, the rougher the field seems to get. And uh, what we find with the higher speeds today, a lot of farmers are finding out their fields aren't as level and flat as what they thought it was. So that suspended cab, that standard on the stagger tractors is very important. We also have it optional as far as the Magnum tractors are concerned. Uh, so suspension is really good as far as keeping the stress off the operator from that perspective. Again, I talked about track technology. Uh, we did have a change for this model year on the Stagger Row Track, and we're able to update our previous 
Stagger and Magnum road tracks to get them to go 25 mile an hour. Uh, they were at 19 mile an hour, but with an upgrade of some roller wheels and some tracks on, on the current used tractors, we're able to push them back up to 25 mile an hour. So, you know, farmers are driving many long miles as far as between fields in order to cover as large as these operations are. So being able to pick up that six mile an hour is a huge productivity burst and gets them into the field faster. We also have our CVX drive in our four-wheel drives. That CVX drive is a uh, continuously variable transmission in articulated four-wheel drive up to 605 peak horsepower. This is a perfect planning transmission in order to be able to run 8, 9, 10, 11 mile an hour in the field and increase your planning efficiencies during the spring of the year. Now you're going to be able to do that with one of the most fuel efficient tractors built in the market and that is the Stagger four-wheel drive. And in fact, the uh, 620 quad and the 620 wheel tractors set Nebraska's record as far as fuel efficiency. And that's all driven off of our SCR technology that we have in this tractor. Uh, we use SCR in order to be able to treat the after treatment. We've been doing that for a number of years. Um, that comes in your used tractors too today. Uh, that SCR technology allows us to be able to have the engine create and use the horsepower because it's basically a tier two design engine and then drive that horsepower to the job itself. Okay, so Bill, earlier you mentioned AFS Connect. How can producers use that data and the technology behind it? AFS Connect connects the tractor to the farm operation, to the agronomist, to uh, whoever is helping manage it and design the layout and the plan as far as the inputs that we're going to put in the ground and, uh, and be able to maximize the potential of the ground. Uh, what it does is, is it connects the vehicle to the uh, farmhouse. The operator in the machine can get prescriptions sent directly to them uh, from that uh, operation. So if they're traveling down the road from one field to the next, nobody has to drive out, meet the tractor, uh, have time in the field just sitting and waiting for the prescription to get out there. It could be sent remotely. Um, and also, you can monitor the tractors. So, so if I'm, I'm back at the farmhouse, I can easily see how much of the field is left that has not been planted yet, or the fuel level, so that I can be out there when I'm running 24 hours a day, so I can make it around to the different vehicles that I've got, I've got out running and make sure they're full of fuel and operating at the uh, peak level at that particular point in time. Um, prescriptions are important in today's agriculture, and like I said, it's easy for us to be able to design those prescriptions to get the most out of the ground and transfer it. So what else is coming that producers will want to keep their eye out for here in the, in the coming weeks and months? Well, I hate to derail, but I'm a, I'm a uh, high-horsepower marketing manager, so <laughs> I have the news side of it. So I will, uh, I will you know, just give you a little sneak a peek as to what's going on into the future. This uh, Over the winter, one of the uh, popular items that we introduce is the AFS Connect Magnum. Mm -hmm. Again, this is a connected vehicle. Uh, but it allows a little bit more than the uh, current AFS Connect on the current models. It allows the dealer to be able to re remote in as far as services concerned from the dealership. So you can, be about a, you can be 100 miles away and be able to hook up the laptop and do uh, remote diagnostics over the uh, connectivity. It also allows you to do remote display viewing. Uh, remote display viewing allows the person at the dealership or back at the farmhouse to help educate or direct the individual that may be running that particular tractor. 
And then we have remote uh, software updates. Those remote software updates keep the latest level of technology and programming on that tractor so that it works to its most efficient state. So those are three really exciting things that come with the AFS Connect Magnum. Of course, you still have data transfer and you have everything that I talked about earlier. So Tracy, where can producers go to find used equipment from Case IH in their local dealer? Producers can find certified pre-owned equipment listings online at used.caseih.com. In addition, they should always visit their local Case IH dealer because there could be inventory on the lot that just hasn't been certified yet. Super. And again, uh, folks, uh, there's so much here to wrap your head around, but if you want to check out the latest in uh, new high horsepower tractors or uh, some of the used uh, certified pre-owned units, make sure you get to caseih.com and check them out. Also, make sure you make it to your local Case IH dealer and uh, set up a time where either you can go to them or they could come to you and break down the latest of what they have, but make sure you check them out. Some really great, really innovative new products coming out from Case IH. And Tracy Sagan and uh, Bill Weber, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Fast Line Fast Track. Thanks, Brent. Thanks, Brent. We plant corn in Iowa, spray soybeans in Illinois. We pull calves in Kansas, farrow hogs in Minnesota. We raise rice in Arkansas, rye in Canada, and wheat everywhere in between. We farm millions of acres across North America and build every piece of Case IH equipment. Built by farmers for farmers. Case IH. Rethink productivity. Back on Fast Line Fast Track from the Ernest Tubb Record Shop, 417 Broadway in downtown Nashville, Tennessee. We've got a really special guest here as we enter into Memorial Day weekend. It's J.T. Cooper. J.T. Cooper, originally from East Tennessee. He was a member of the 10th Mountain Division. If you are familiar with Black Hawk Down in Mogadishu, Somalia, he helped provide aid to those folks that were shot down. Uh, one of the first people on the ground and just an amazing story, an incredible guy, incredible human being and JT welcome to fast line fast track brother thanks mr. Adams how are you today oh man uh, I'm doing better than I deserve probably there you go but man uh, th- this guy got to know him a couple of years ago working through uh, vet links which is an organization that provides uh, uh, services and uh, hooks uh, veterans up with services and he's been gracious enough to play at a couple of our events and uh, just has a heart for uh, reaching out to other veterans and helping them uh, uh, maneuver PTSD and other issues through getting their emotions out on song. There you go. When I came back, my mama asked me why I wouldn't Timmy anymore. Uh-huh. And uh, I couldn't hardly articulate that. So it became a quest of mine to figure out how to put it into words so that people who's never been to combat could relate to those guys and, and maybe help them say something that they can't get out either. Yeah. So that for me became songwriting and journaling and I've done a lot of work with veterans through the years and this become my passion. 
So to take us back a little bit, living in East Tennessee, tell us what that was like. I grew up on a poultry farm, mm -hmm. and we, we raised chickens for Tyson. Uh -huh. uh, we'd get them when they were, uh, the day they were born, and we'd raise them to a three-and-a-half, four-pound fryer, and then they'd come and get the chickens and take them to processing. Gotcha. So you learned uh, about hard work from an early age. Oh, yeah. My dad always, I was, when I was young, I wanted a guitar and some lessons, and he said, it's a real world. We got real work to do. Get busy. Uh -huh. So I had to work for it, and uh, that work ethic has worked well for me through the years. Uh, he, he, he didn't... Uh, he didn't believe in the music thing, and he thought hard work was the only way. And I realized later on that I had a great moment with my dad where I could told him we had a conversation, and I said, you know, the one thing I know is you taught me how to work. I said, but you know what else I've learned, Dad? And he said, what? And he said, not all work takes a shovel. Yeah. Sometimes you've got to work through stuff. Yeah. And uh, PTSD taught me that I had to do a lot of work to get back home. Uh-huh. So how did you fall in love with country music, and who were some of your influences? Oh, man, I, I, I listen. I mean, you're from a little town. There's only two or three radio stations. All of them were playing country and gospel and mm -hmm. all that stuff. And I grew up in church, singing in church and that kind of stuff. But uh, I guess one of my favorites was always Alabama uh -huh. and uh, Brooks and Dunn back mm -hmm. in the late 80s, early 90s. And, you know, first time I went to a, a, a Alabama concert and – Randy Owens says, whisper to me softly, breathe words upon my skin. Just watching the girls react uh, to that, that kind of gave me the bug saying, you know, I want girls to look at me that way. There you not, go. Not that I'm ever going to be pretty like him, <laughs> but I wanted to have the words to, 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 to get them to smile back. You yeah. Know what I mean? So where did songwriting come from? You know, I've always been a poet uh -huh. and uh, I've always loved music and Originally, when I was in Somalia, they asked me if I would write a eulogy for my roommate that got killed. Mm. And uh, I wrote a poem called The Eulogy that they ended up putting on that wall outside the barracks. And mm. there was people coming from every UN, every UN country. They were hearing about this through all the compounds, and they were coming by and taking pictures of this poem that I had put up there. And so I guess that was my first public work, uh -huh. uh, published work. Gotcha. And uh, my buddies all put it up there and... It said, into the valley we led the way, fighting on we earned our pay. For the life we choose, there's no regret, and when winning the battle's even better yet. Mm. Stories come and stories go, but the only ones who'll ever know have walked a path and met a man, then stolen their life from his dying hand. Mm. With each victory, there is a cost for something gained or something lost, and should this be my final breath, Lord, may I die a warrior's death. That became our eulogy for Jimmy Joe and... Uh, those the guys really appreciated that and they took some paint and put it on the wall and then everybody started coming by taking pictures from all the different UN nations and stuff and it was a way for me to it was a way for me to to deal with that grief at the time you know I, that's all I could give my mom you know uh -huh. I, could, I was like you know I can't explain it any further than that right now but I'm going to figure out how so over the years I've gotten in touch with my demons and took them for a walk so they didn't keep trying to break out mm -hmm. you know if you tie up a dog and you don't take it for a walk or you don't feed it and you don't do this it just keeps trying to break that leash and i i feel like by talking by journaling by doing the songwriting and 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 sharing your experience with other people it helps you take your dogs for a walk so they don't try to break out of the cage so we'll go out like on a friday and do a guitar pool and show them what we do as songwriters mm -hmm. and then saturday morning we get up and have breakfast with them and then 
let them start telling us their story, and then we'll write them a song in the afternoon, and it's, it's all based around what they've told us. That We try to build them a memorial. Uh-huh. We've all got a war story. We've all done something that's a story worth telling. It's just trying to get that out and, and tell them it's okay that they need to talk about that. So through Operation Song, how, how many guys would you uh, estimate the guys or gals both that you've worked with? Well, with me personally, I've probably done a dozen or two dozen, but the organization itself has probably written five or 6,000 songs, and, yeah. and they work with victims of domestic violence. They, Operation Song is a little broader, but I just come in and focus when they're going out and doing stuff at Warrior Outreach and mm-hmm. different military events. I don't, I'm not, you know, that, that my, my heart is for the military, so that's kind of where they plug me in. Sure, sure. What have you personally taken from that experience? Man, being able to encourage these guys and, you know, I had a guy named Todd I wrote a song with and, and uh, you know, having him call me and say, hey, man, that song helped me get out of bed today. You know, that's the first thing I played when I got out. You know, having these guys, giving them a battle buddy. When we went in the military, the military taught us that we had to have a battle buddy, that we had to, we had to have that somebody that we – knew where we were at, what we were doing, and, and communicated with. They didn't not teach us that when we came home. But yeah. most of us go home and shut ourselves off, and we don't make our battle buddies. Mm-hmm. In the military, if you change duty stations, you have to make new battle buddies. Yeah. The, the problem is it's hard for most veterans to relate to the civilians that don't understand what it is that we went through, but there's still those veterans in every community where we have to reach out. Yeah. Isolation is, is alone is bad. Yeah. So when we come back, we've got to find a way to make our battle buddies, and we got to, And so doing this with Operation Song, it helps me make new battle buddies. That's awesome. And it helps me be an encourager. You know, when when you've learned something that saved you from being one of the twenty-two a day. Mm-hmm. I uh, I spent most of nineteen ninety-six in a one-bedroom apartment in Syracuse, New York, and every day suicide was on the table. Mm. And by the grace of God, I got past that time in my life. And from that day to this, it's been a it's been a journey to figure out how to not ever be in that room again. Yeah, yeah. So, we you got to continue to serve. When we were, when you're in the military, everybody's telling you what the next mission is, and no matter what we went through last night, you know, in a day or so, somebody's going to give us something else to go do. Yeah. Somebody's going to tell us what to do. When you get out of the military, nobody's telling you what to do anymore. And if you've went and gave your life and offered your life and service to your country and you come home and you're flipping burgers at McDonald's, that $12 an hour or watching $15 an hour parts go down the assembly line in a factory, nothing like that's ever going to fill the void just to make a paycheck because yeah. you know what it's like to do something for something that's bigger than you. So you've got to find a way to keep serving. Yeah. I mean, I, I, the number one thing I say is find a way to serve. You signed up for life. You raised your hand and, and swore an oath to serve and protect and defend. Serve, you, we got to serve to a life. So even though you come home, coach Little League. Yeah. Find something. Serve at church. Serve, serve at, the, at the homeless shelter. Do something to still be a part of something that's bigger than yourself. Yeah. Because by yourself is for the wrong reasons. What, what route did you take to get to Nashville? Well, everybody's story is a little different. Yeah. Mine, uh, I ended up working in Knoxville on a dock, and I was singing on the back dock one day, and one of the truck drivers come in and said, man, you ever been in the studio and recorded anything? I'm like, no, man, I don't know nothing about all of that. So he 
ended up taking me to his buddy's uh, studio in Knoxville, and we put three little songs on a tape. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was choking the life out of me. And I, I was sitting there wanting to come to Nashville bad, but I, God, I don't know. You brought me to Knoxville. You kept, you got me out of Syracuse and put me in this job in Knoxville. If you want me in Nashville, come get me. And mm-hmm. it just kept weighing on me. And then one weekend, I drove up here and went down Music Row and started knocking on doors. Wow. And I was like, man, I want to talk to somebody about music. They're like, do you have an appointment? I'm like, no. And they said, well, you, you ain't getting in then. And <clears throat> anyway, long story short, I got frustrated and started back to Knoxville. And I was uh, – the country giant – was 94.7 there in Cookville. Mm-hmm. And I had went to college for a semester or two down there before I went in the Army. So I knew Cookville pretty well. And they were running this thing talking about the Jimmy Dean talent search. Yeah. And uh, since I came all the way to Nashville and nobody wanted to hear my music, I just dropped it in the night slot at the radio station, uh-huh. with wrote my telephone number on it. And a couple of weeks later, I was standing on stage opening up for Rick Trevino at their <laughs> July festival. Wow. So I met some people there, and long story short, I ended up living in Nashville about six months later, and mm-hmm. I've been down the songwriter road ever since. Uh-huh. It's not been fun, but, hey, look, you don't learn anything if you don't hurt your knees every once in a while. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And you've got a successful plumbing company here in, in the Nashville area oh, as yeah. well. Well, yeah. I know this is radio. <laughs> Everybody tells me I have a face for radio, so. <laughs> Me too. I, you can't see this, but I like to eat, so I would. The starving artist wasn't a role I chose to take, so <laughs> I'm gonna figure out how to make a living and stay here and do what I love doing. And so, I, I I do run a plumbing company, and at this point, I do own the plumbing company. But I started out working plumbing and doing singing when I could and songwriting when I could, and now today, you know, 15 years later, I have the business and I. Uh, I don't have all the freedom in the world to write songs, but I can, you know, manipulate my schedule sometimes to go do that one and and do these weekends with the Warriors and stuff. And that I found that that's that's where I need to serve. Uh-huh. That that's more important to me than having a song on the radio. When that guy calls me and says, "Hey, man, your song helped me get out of bed today," I know I may have helped save a life. Uh huh. And I don't know how many number one hits helped save a life but i know that i've touched people and that's that's real and so you received the cib and a purple heart your grandfather moon also received a purple heart at pearl harbor yeah my grandfather cooper received a bronze star in the in europe mm-hmm. during world war Two. so so yeah. it's, it's always been just a uh, a pull for your family huh just a, a duty to make sure that, uh, that that you did serve there was no doubt i wasn't going to serve at some point yeah so when i graduated high school i was still 16 yeah so my dad wouldn't sign for me to go in the military so i had to go to college for a year first okay so uh quick as i could i got myself put on academic probation so that i couldn't go back <laughs> there you go i got some incompletes and didn't go to class because i didn't want to have to go back because i was ready to get on with it uh-huh. i walked into the recruiter station and he said i can give you any job in the army what do you want to be i said i want to be in the infantry he said son that's what we give people who can't pass the test <laughs> i said okay did you ever see green beret with john wayne he said yeah i said that's what i want to be there you go and so he's like are you serious because that's the you know, there's a lot of other options for you than that. And I was like, no, this is where I want to be. Uh-huh. So it was a challenge for me to show myself that I could do it. Yeah. 
So when people see the, the, the Black Hawk Down stuff on, on your bio, what kind of questions do you get about that? Well, if how accurate was the movie? Mm-hmm. How this, how that, how this, you know, there's a, there's a lot of different questions I get asked, but at the end of the day, they had two hours to tell a two-week story. Yeah. And so there's going to be stuff that gets left out. The two things that I was proud that they did is, one, in the movie, they let it be known that the, our command and the White House and Pentagon let us down because we had asked for armored vehicles, mm-hmm. and they didn't give us armor to go downtown. Mm-hmm. They thought it would be too expensive. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and second of all, they showed that we knew we weren't supermen. We weren't cartoon characters. Yeah. You know, there's a scene in the movie that's probably one of the best scenes I've seen captured on tape. And these guys have been out in that convoy, and they got all shot up, and they came back to rearm and refit and get more ammo and go out and try again. And they're taking five-gallon buckets of water and washing the blood out of the Humvees. Mm-hmm. And this kid's standing there looking at it like, man, I don't know if I want to go. I, I, I don't know if I can get in that truck. I don't, you know. Yeah. We knew... When we left that gate, there was a good chance we weren't going to come home. Mm-hmm. But those were American soldiers. Yeah. Those guys had on the same uniforms we did. And I may not have known any the name personally mm-hmm. of one guy that was in that helicopter that got shot down. But I knew it was an American soldier, and I knew it was my job to go get him. Yeah. So I didn't want to fight. I didn't pick a fight. I wasn't ready to go, let's go kill somebody. We knew we could die, but we knew we wouldn't come at home without something to take to their parent, their families. Yeah. And when you were in the midst of that, I mean, that was just your job. You didn't know it was going to be a big national incident. You didn't know it was going to be a movie. It was going to be talked about and just uh, in the annals of history. That was just your job. But, uh, we were the QRF. I was part of the Quick Reaction Force, mm-hmm. which our job was anytime that uh, United Nations troops came into contact with the enemy, we went in to back them up and protect them. So we had been out with the Pakistanis when the Pakistanis got hit. Several times when the Malaysians and other people that came under fire, we went in to protect them and to, to get them out because we are, they were there handing out the food and handing out the foreign aid and doing the hand-holding and kissing the babies. We were the ones that were there to protect people. Yeah. So my job was quick reaction. Yeah. So I wasn't there to kiss babies. I wasn't there to play politics. I was there to settle the, the argument. Yeah. And we had to do that for the Rangers. And that was a tell you something you may not know, <clears throat> something I'm pretty proud of. Uh-huh. We're right now we're trending number one on Amazon for pre sales for Black Hawk Down the Untold Story. Oh wow. Uh. And I was interviewed and I'm gonna be part of that documentary. I am part of that documentary. But one of the things they did is they had me sit down and play one of my songs, and they recorded it and put it as a director's cut. Oh, cool. So they've listed me on the DVD cover, and as of May 15th, we'll be in 3,000-plus Walmart stores. So you'll get a little more background on Black Hawk Down. And, and it's just, it's us talking about what we went through on a personal level. And the thing about it is they interview people from private all the way to general. Uh-huh. And so there's a little bit of the piece of the puzzle from each perspective. Yeah. And, and that way, General Miley is the Army Chief of Staff right now, and he was with us on the ground. He's in the documentary. Yeah. I was in the documentary. Uh, <clears throat> they did a tribute to the Alpha 214 at that time was the uh, – we, we won uh, the Valorous Unit Award, which was the first one given out since Vietnam. Mm-hmm. 
So our whole unit basically got a, an award, and everybody wanted to come meet us and shake our hands when we got home. But mm-hmm. we went in, you know, straight leg, 19-year-old soldiers, and mm-hmm. pulled out over 50 Ranger and Delta Force guys. When they got shot up, we went and saved their life and brought them home. Uh-huh. And uh, we were one of the tightest puckers you'll ever have is when they tell you, you got to go save the Rangers. And you're just a, a normal Army infantry guy, and you're the QRF, and that's fine, but they tell you you got to go get the Delta and Ranger guys that's got shot up. Mm-hmm. And you're like, ain't they supposed to come save me? Yeah. You know what I mean? So that was one of those moments where this this is real, uh-huh. and <clears throat> we may not make it home, but there's no cavalry. My, Lieutenant Colonel David laid a set of plans out, and one of the things about Mogadishu is there's no street signs in Mogadishu. Mm-hmm. So you don't know where the hell you are. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So he lays this big map out on the hood of the Humvee. And he says, we're here, they're here, and we ain't going home without them. Yeah. And there's no cavalry. We're the cavalry. Yeah. Your uh, Green Beret moment. That was my Green Beret moment. That's for right. That, that was, we got their fight side by side them, and we got to pull them out. So Man. it was, it was. Courage isn't the absence of fear. It's going anyway. Yeah. And that's what I learned that day. Yeah. Courage isn't the absence of fear. It's not being Rambo and thinking you can handle anything. It's getting in the truck when you didn't want to get in the truck. And, and you... Uh, Does that make sense? It makes it, it makes perfect sense, man. I, I, make sure that you go out and check that out. Make sure you get on the Amazon. Make sure you go to Walmart and, and check that out. Uh, it's just such powerful stuff. And, man, JT, we, we just thank you from the bottom of our heart for your service, for all the work that you guys do with people... Uh, you know, coming back, trying to reacclimate, you know, PTSD or what, whatever they're they're going through, man. Anybody out there that wants to, they can get on the Operation Song website and dig in a little more about what that what that job is. But yeah, that's one of my givebacks. And uh, make sure that uh, if they want to find out more about you, where can they go? www.jtcoopermusic.com. Gotcha. Jtcoopermusic.com. Also check him out on Facebook too. You'll uh, you'll be entertained. I like to have fun on Facebook. Some people take it too serious with me. I've got seven kids, so we're we're the we're the we're the we're the country music clampets on uh, there. Dude, if there's if there's one guy that I get up in the morning, I see your stuff probably more than anybody else, and it, it just uh, I love it, man. You, I just, just I try to be funny. I try not to take too. There's serious stuff going on in the world, but I try not to get too serious with any of it. Man, this guy I like is to a, laugh. He's a great guy. He's a great dad. He's raising great kids, smart kids. Just had one that just scored huge on the ACT. Man, it was 31, man. He got a 31 <laughs> with a 3.8 GPA, and I can't talk him into going to West Point. He wants to. I'm trying, yeah. I'm trying to get him to go to West Point. But we'll see. He's still got a year or so left. Man, well, I, I just love, love the heck out of this guy, man, everything he stands for. And can't wait to work with him more with Vet Links in the future and anything else we got Absolutely. going on. And uh, we're going to let him get mic'd up here and uh, and play a couple songs for you. But uh, uh, this has been J.T. Cooper. And, J.T., thank you so much for your service. And, man, just thank you for, for uh, what you do for the troops. And we just want to thank all the troops out there. I know on Memorial Day, a lot of people who serve and have served, they, they, they get uncomfortable with the thank you. But we're going to do it anyway because we love the just troops, man. thank you is all it takes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you is all it takes, and, 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 you know, we didn't do it for anything other than that. If they did, they had the wrong. Yeah. They weren't warriors. They were just soldiers. Yeah. Warriors do it just for the thanks. Well, 
we have our freedom because of y'all, and and thank you so much. So we're gonna let JT get uh, get mic'd up, and we'll give you a little bit of him. I know these old back roads like the back of mountain. Oh, who used to drive them got lost in a foreign land. Everywhere I turn my head, I see nothing here's changed. Not one thing inside of me. And I raise my hands in anger Shout up at the sky Hey God, what were you thinking What made me a lucky guy It's a battle just to be here In my mind I'm alone Took my weapon let me fight They called it coming home. Preacher said, I'm lucky. Him and God might think I am. Freedom didn't spit on me like the boys back from Vietnam. Thankful for the thank yous, I know they mean well. Pray they never see in me what it takes to walk through hell. When I raise my hands in anger, shout up at the sky. Hey, God, what were you thinking? What made me the lucky guy? It's a battle just to be here. In my mind, I'm alone. Weapon, let me fight. And they called it coming home. Yes, I'm still a warrior. I can't accept defeat. I'm gonna climb this mountain because the mission's not complete. And I still raise my hands in anger, shout up at the sky. Hey, God, what were you thinking? What made me the lucky guy? It's a battle just to be here in my mind. They called it coming home. Coming home. Coming home. 
Welcome home. So that was just coming home. And uh, you asked me about going out with Operation Song. I'll tell you this story real quick. Had this guy named Troy come in. He was a helicopter pilot. He didn't really want to be there. And uh, so I'm like, Troy, what are we going to write a song about? He said, man, I don't want to write a song. I said, we're at a songwriting retreat, Troy. You got you to write about something. He said, man, I don't want to write a song. He, he got to talking about a couple of little missions he went on. And one time when he was, uh, he got done with a flight and he came back and he, he was cleaning out the chopper and there was half a guy's face laying under the seat. And that messed with him a little bit. And uh, finally I was like, Troy, we got to write a song. He said, man, he said, I don't want to write a song about me. And I said, what do you want to write a song about? He said, let's write a song about my wife. And I said, Troy, why do you want to write a song about your wife? He said, because I don't know how she can love me when I can't love me. And that's one of those things when you're a veteran and you're coming back, you don't know how to say thanks for waiting. You don't know how to tell your wife what you've been through. You don't want to tell her the stories about half of a guy's face laying under your jump seat in the back of your chopper. So <clears throat> Troy knew he had some problems, but uh, he wanted to write a song for his wife. And I, I'll never forget that. So we wrote American Bride. Daddy didn't give me my American pride. Only with my brother fighting by my side. I've seen sacrifice for the red, white, and blue. I went to war, but I brought it home to you. I brought it home to you. signed up when you took my hand Uncle Sam gave you back a very different man trying to figure out just what the hell to do with all the hell girl I know I put you through you wear my scars and you feel my pain you try to figure out everything I can't explain. You deserve a medal for standing by my side. Words I love you on enough for American bride. American bride. Battle buddies, get us over the wall. Takes an angel to catch us when we fall. With all the patience you get to me, yeah, you're the hero only I get to see. You wear my scars and you feel my pain. Try to figure out everything I can't explain. You deserve a medal for standing by my side. Words 
I love you on and for an American ride. American bride. I love you, you're my hero. My American bride. So my second favorite give back, my first one's Operation Song, but my second favorite give back is A Soldier's Child. If you've never heard of A Soldier's Child, I suggest you go look that up on the internet. But what we do is we buy birthday presents and Christmas presents for kids whose parents were killed while on active duty. Because if dad would have lived or if mom had lived, they would take care of you until you're 18. So we're going to do that too. But we also have these camps where we bring these kids from all over America. See, when, a, when someone dies in the military, they got 45 days to be off post. Yes, they get their dependents' paycheck for life insurance but they have to be off post within 45 days because they're no longer a dependent. They're, they're, they're widows and children of widows. So you take this kid that was at high school at Fort Drum, New York, and his dad gets killed in our Afghanistan or Iraq. 45 days later, they're in Bodunk, Texas, where nobody knows what this kid just went through. So what we do is we have these journey camps where we bring these kids together from all over America that have all lost a parent so that they can make pen pals and Facebook friends and so on and so forth so that when they have those moments and they think nobody knows what they're going through, they can reach out to these other kids that have been through that. And so that's one of the things we do with them. So I, I, I helped set up Operation Song to beat with Soldier's Child so that we could help some of these kids write songs to their dads and moms. So... Love you, honey's what he said when he left to save the world. He's a hero in the heart, that is a little girl. These are so hard to sing. Now see, I'm picturing the little girls that I wrote this with. I love you, honey's what he said when he left to see the world. Drums that old guitar. He 
and scream Cause daddy was his star And we don't even understand Where the hell is Afghanistan But he prays And God he says Daddy come back home They cry their golden tears A child shouldn't have to cry They still have their folded flags From the day they say goodbye They're too young to have to sacrifice But they know freedom has a price And they pray They still say Daddy, I love you Oh, they pray Daddy, I love you. So that's what I do. That's my purpose. That's my mission. Tell the story of those who can't tell it themselves. My goal is to always be one of the other 22 that didn't kill myself. I'm going to be one of the other 22 that came back and grabbed a hold of the American dream because I wasn't holding on to two handfuls of the past. If you're out there and you're having trouble coming home, find a battle buddy. They're all around you. Well, that was the music of J.T. Cooper, and we want to thank J.T., and we want to remember those who sacrificed their lives for our freedom, and we want to thank those families whose loved ones made that sacrifice. We want to invite you back for the next episode of Fast Line, Fast Track, where we bring you ag industry-leading insights and the best in true country music live from the Ernest Tubb Record Shop in Nashville, Tennessee. In the meantime, be sure to like our Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Pinterest pages, and add our Spotify playlist to your library. It features music from past, current, and upcoming Fast Line Fast Track guests. Again, we want to thank our presenting sponsor, Case IH. Check them out at caseih.com. This is Brent Adams. Be sure to join us next time and bring along a friend. You've been listening to Fast Line Fast Track, presented by Fast Line Media Group. To learn more about Fast Line's customer focused marketing solutions, visit fastlinemediagroup.com and check out our brand websites fastline.com bigag.com and pinktractor.com if you have topic suggestions for future podcasts drop us a line at brent.adams at fastline.com